I don't care. Okay, a lightsaber or a or a blaster. The blaster is going to kill ninety nine percent of people because nobody can do any of the shit that the Jedi. And can that's do. why you do not have the medical archaic weapons are no replacement for a blaster. But I still want yeah. that. I still want that lightsaber. You do not have any metachlorians. You will end up actually dropping that thing with the blade going down, and it's going to go down to the core, and it's going to cause the Earth go supernova, and you're going to be the reason why we all die. That's what's going to happen. At least we go cool. Yeah. But anyways, and on that line, hello, folks, and welcome to Real Playing as Smart People, the podcast that (laughs) that we've Sorry, now we pretend to know what we're talking about when it comes to all things tabletop. My name is Santa, and thanks for tuning in again. Joining me as always, we got Scott and Finder. Hello. Hello. Yep, uh, and I think this might be one of the last episodes with Scott. True statement. Sad times. <laughs> I oh, come on. I to do. Yeah, you got you got to go get your waifu pillows. Yeah, I got my waifu pillows. <laughs> professional career, apparently, to, to deal with. It's exciting. Yeah. It's the first time in a while. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you can specialize in waifus, but apparently you can. Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> uh, and on, on this episode, uh, we are going to be discussing... Discussing. Uh, we've kept discussing. I cannot talk today, apparently, <laughs> by the way, guys. Uh, we are going to be discussing improv and GMing and how... Really, you got to learn how to improv if you want to really GM. So at least that's my opinion. We're going to be talking about that, though, because last week you said we were going to talk about Session Zero, and we never did. Yes, I know. You guys had a good conversation about how you never did Session Zeros before. Yeah. That was a good... I listened. That was a good... I I had... You guys had a good conversation. So, no... So, Session Zero, improv... And maybe talk about one shots because we've also been th- we were talking one about shots. that before. This even occurred. Yeah, I do. I have stopped in the last week saying the word one shots and all that jazz. I now refer to things as a system familiarization session, meaning one session with pre-generated characters that the GM, the person running the game, makes the fuck character. Well, we're already talking about this topic. Uh, the person running the, the single the system familiarization, you make the characters because you have to make the characters. People don't need to make characters in order to understand the system. They, it, don't be fucking... People mm-hmm. will be like, I have to. No, you don't. No, you don't, because that would mean you had to read the fucking rule book, and you're not going to do that either. So if you just make the characters and can walk yourselves through the game and not haul ass through it, and then um, micro-campaigns, right? So it's like, or multi-session... Multi-session adventures, I guess. I think is we we were talking about where, because I don't want to play the same characters for six. I don't want to run your same character for six months. No offense, I just don't give a shit about your characters that much. They're they're not that fun, um, and the games are not that fun. And I need to have a new setting, and I need to be able to do different shit as a GM. So it's like, but if we can do like ten sessions or twelve sessions, you know, that's that's fun, you know, for me. And it's like let's have a longer term where an adventure can be spread out, and then get some shit done but not make it last a fucking year because I really don't have that kind of time to waste when I'm only gaming like once a week. <laughs> I, I just don't. I don't. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I stopped using those terms and I started using new terms. I still haven't stopped using one-shot. It's tough. It's tough because it's ingrained. Well, no, and I'll also I don't... I don't necessarily think of one-shots as the same way as you do. Like, I get where you're coming from, where you're yeah. doing it when you're trying to just uh, get it get adjusted to a new system but for yeah. instance like there's some games that i have 
that I specifically like we can play it multiple times, but we're only gonna play like a one shot where it's literally one like one time for four or five hours and then we won't touch it again and it's just like almost like a palate cleanser or yeah, it's like something thing. like with a holiday <laughs> yeah i know but you you said but i'm not doing it like to um you know to read like to teach people the system or something like that neither am i i'm just doing it so we can play the system and just say yeah. you know fuck it no move on like with D 5e yeah, yeah. We've, we've won a shot of that 11 times now <laughs> <laughs> but i do get it it's, it's uh, psychologically it's like it's it's a weird rap yeah but if it is going to be multiple i actually what was uh single plot campaign yeah something like that right yeah. yeah like single point single adventure point single i don't know yeah but yeah yeah it's just crazy <laughs> but anyway what just what did you say story sorry? arc what's single that story? yes yeah single story arc yeah, uh, maybe I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, I don't buy the hype. I don't buy the hype on the the long form shit. No, I... no honestly, I like, it's on my heart. I I think like I know Finder, you really like it, like the longer form. He wants it, to get it, new powers it and new depends levels. Depends on the group and the game and all that sort. The Coriolis game that I ran that went for about a year to a year and a half. Oof. God, man. But oh, we could wow. only play maybe twice a month. So that's different, maybe. right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, yeah. the fun part about it was I knew where I wanted to go, and we yeah. never went there. Instead, um, they were messing around, and I, threw, I just threw a random <laughs> encounter in there, and that veered everything off into a complete story arc that centered around one character's backstory, and all the players got into it. And nice. that then that's that's how we finished the game was the resolution of that one story arc for that character, and at the end I'm like that was awesome. I mean even the non even the players that weren't involved with that background, yeah, they still really enjoyed being there to support that member of their crew throughout this entire thing, and it was it was a lot of fun to come to resolution on something that was a complication from their backstory. Yeah. You know, oh, bad. no, go ahead. Uh, no, I it, think about that. Well, that kind of leads into Santa's topic of uh, learning. To, you better learn to improv. <laughs> with the same, we had the same look on our face. We're like, I knew where I wanted to go. I had the story <laughs> laid out. There was a module, and we were going to adventure. You had to go to the this class G star, and then onto this planet and this spaceship. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Like, and then I gave them something, and they were like, "Meow." <laughs> Welcome to improv class. <laughs> you know what? And that that's something that's like hundred percent true. Like, and I think we've kind of come around to uh, starting to talk about uh, improv. So before go. we get into a topic, because I actually also want to discuss my game, which I'm realizing oh. some more benefits like that I had last night, that I'm realizing some of the benefits of improv that may not be uh, apparent. But before we get into that, start with Finder. Finder, what do you think the importance of having some improv skills at the table are? Shit. Well, it... it... <laughs> It goes back to the old adage of no plan survives first contact, yeah. right? And it's the same way at the table. There is a common theme within every game I've ever played with every group is the GM never knows what the players are going to do. You you have this plot hook that you have this, this hook that you think is going to grab everybody. 
and they will completely ignore that because the character that you described in greater detail that's hanging off in the corner because you just wanted to give some ambiance, they're like, hey, we're going to follow that instead of this other story hook that you've got that sounds stupid. So we're going to go do this. <laughs> and we have never had a game go as expected. They're, the players are always going to throw a wrench in it. Yep. Even if it's just a simple question of like, well, what's this guy look like? I don't know. He's just this NPC that I needed to give you to, to convey information. And then they yeah, start yeah. talking about them. You have to build a personality. And then they latch onto this NPC oh. that was supposed to not ever be there. Rich, Rich, welcome. This is why we need to get you to play more PBTA. It's not your fucking job as a GM to tell them what the fucking alchemist looks like. That's the player's <laughs> job. You're like, hey, remember the al- you know the alchemist that works down the street next to the tavern? Yeah, what, what, do you, what do you remember about him? That's all it takes, and the players just... And that's literally Dungeon World and PBTA setups. It now, I'm like, going to say, though, that, that yeah. I think, requires player... Uh-oh. Um, what's what I'm looking for? Good players. Well, no, no, Player I mean, not necessarily good players. I, think <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of good players, but that's yeah, not something they're expecting, right? Because yeah. most of us have been playing for decades, and all of the games have been the GM describes the world. Yeah. And you have to really prep your players. <laughs> and that's like the hardest part about like interludes for Savage Worlds is they're not used to being put on the spot of come up with something that we never did and it's now completely within your control to to tell this part of the story yeah and so if i'm going to use interludes i usually try to prep my foes like okay just so you guys know interludes are going to be coming up next week so don't be surprised <laughs> your homework you. yeah yeah it's like <laughs> thinking about some stuff because I, i'm gonna put them on the spot meanwhile santa are fucking monsters <laughs> Nope, nope. Yeah, no, nope. not at all. Nope, not at all. I'm sorry, nope. but if if you are expected to improv, there is no freaking reason why a player couldn't either. <laughs> to say I, I nope. disagree, but it's one of expectation and but if you never actually start huh? but if you never start and put like putting that on them ever, they'll never do it. Like I remember my first game with this. I like they the didn't know. They, they didn't know exactly what like to expect. And at first they were surprised. They're like, "Oh, I don't know. I'm not too sure." And now we've had I, I forget if we've had four or five sessions. Uh, and now they they expect it every time. But nice. if someone is kind of faltering a little bit on it, they start now they're starting to feed off each other. So one will be like, well, what about this? And the other person like, oh, that's good. And then they'll build off that. And then another person will build off that. And they start building off of each other yep. on something as simple as like, uh, I asked at the beginning of the session, uh, some questions for each one of them because they had a week of downtime. And I literally said, what did you do in the week? And they're like, well, I did this. And I was like, okay, that, that sounds interesting. I'm, and then I just quickly on the fly came up with three questions. Nice. And I asked them some questions. And now it turns out that this city that uh, hasn't really been too heavily crafted into, I'm starting to get details about captains, the laws, which the paladin, he was trying to be like almost like a Batman type style character. And he was trying to, uh, trying to arrest or pretty much do citizens arrest. So I got him to say, okay, who's the, who's the captain of the guard? Uh, what exactly is their styles? What are some things that are illegal? And what are some... And I even one of the, my one of the questions was like, what, what uh, 
what's an unjust law in this in this book? Oh, shit. And then the other person was like, okay, well, he's making uh he's making um like drugs pretty much. Uh but I we figured out is it legal? Actually, it is legal as long as you're doing it through one of the guilds. And then now we figured out that the guilds themselves just from all of us talking, um one of the benefits and why the guilds are so powerful, but not powerful enough to take over, is the fact that they have certain standings where if they do something illegal, instead of being charged, like an individual person being charged, the guild could say, no, we're going to just instead pay a fine. But if you don't have that, uh, if you don't have that backing from there, you're just charged with a crime. So it's giving more of a justification for why people are flocking to the guilds instead of trying to break out on their own it's almost nice. like a way of control you're like, you're like playing modern western civilization world it, it's really weird it's because like it's a style it, it kind of is it's it's it, and it's so weird but like because i've regularly put these prompts and asked them how do you know this why would you do this why they yeah. now it's just instinctually they they don't think of, like sometimes they'll think about it for a second they'll be like oh i don't know and like at that point i'll say it was like i'll offer like small questions because you mm -hmm. know yeah. uh just to see if i can like they'll come up with something on their own but the first session yeah it was rough they were wow. not expecting it they weren't they weren't exactly so gung-ho about it except for one guy uh oddly enough the guy who listens to the podcast nice. uh but now but now the, it, they they just expect it and they're willing to just completely go into this conceit of it that's really legit cool. and some gms are kind of re they're they're i guess reticent to do that because of like there might be an important character like an npc you have but that's where you said you have guiding questions and it's like you know hey the blacksmith if someone wants to hang out the blacksmith and it's like rich you're like oh well what does the blacksmith look like you turn those you, you use those questions like hey well yeah. and it's something about the blacksmith specifically that would probably be easier or common knowledge or maybe you would probably know if you're a character consistently yeah. going to the blacksmith, right? And you'd be like, hey, you know the blacksmith shop is um, super meticulously kept. And that might be an indicator of the blacksmith's personality or charisma or whatever the hell system you're using. Um, little things like that or their ability to create things. And if you use leading questions like you said, that way you don't sacrifice your NPCs and you can still bring the players in to, to flesh shit out for you. Yeah. You know, the, the improv thing, there is... Talking like what you guys have been describing, there's an experiment that I've wanted to try for a long time, but it would Ooh. take the right group of players <laughs> and willingness for them to leave their fate in the hands of their co-players. Because I'd love to do a character generation where I don't know what my character is and I'm discovering them through what the other players are describing that they notice about my character. So like yeah. I come in, I don't have any fighting skills. Okay, you're in a fight. So and so, what do you notice about the way such and such's character approaches this combat? Well, he hangs back and he slows taunts. Okay, well now I know that I need to have an intimidation or a taunt skill. And so you you build and craft your character. Yeah. Through the course of play. I think we could do that because that was reminiscent of what I was talking about this morning with Jason when we were having a conversation. And it's definitely doable. And there's a way of doing it that everyone at the table has buy-in. Yeah. We'll talk. It, it would definitely take <laughs> It would definitely. And you're correct. You would have to role-play a character on gut instincts. 
yeah. of how you would want them to behave. And I think a lot of people, and I can already hear the fucking comments typing from some folks, is like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, yeah. if I'm a wizard, I'm not going to run into combat. Like, well, no one said you're not playing a wizard. But you're, you're not wrong, right? It's the, the people who require a crutch for imagination, and then the people who are just like, okay, we're just a group of people. And there's actually a scenario, a very old school scenario that would work really well for something like this. And you could bring it into any genre, I think. Uh, and it bleeds really well into it. We'll definitely talk. I think, yeah. I think, I think, I think, I, I think it would be fun, especially if yes. like going in, I don't know that I'm a wizard. I, I just know that I'm right. now in a combat and I'm going to discover that I'm a wizard because so-and-so said, well, I see right. him start to mumble and fire starts coming out of his hands. Yeah, okay. and the, a wizard now. <laughs> yeah, and this scenario seeds things like that all throughout it. That's cool. I think I figured out a way how to do something like that. It just popped in my head. I mean, it's super easy. Oh yeah, super, and super fucking easy. Yeah, it's so and, super easy. I'm surprised I haven't seen this done before. Well, I guess technically, Fantasy Flight tried it, but they didn't go as far as I think we're talking about going. Well, if you want to do it the easiest way, just invert. Uh, the way how you do character creation in PBTAs and ask different questions for bonds beforehand. That would definitely be part of it. That would be the um, easy part. And that would, yeah, we definitely need to talk because that would be part of it. But <laughs> yes, yes. Should There's... I delete that from the chat? From no, the... no, leave it because people would be like, dude, motherfucker. And I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll have a award-winning actual narrative-focused role-playing game where you're not waiting for your fucking doll to... You know, move five squares and attack the monster. <laughs> you know, I think the the reason it would take the right kind of players, though, for that sort of a a scenario, is because I can already hear. Well, that's taking my agency. No, but, yeah, I know, <laughs> but it's not. It's it's it. Oh, this is why games like it's part of the contract. This the is contract why games is, like gonna, Fate and Dungeon Lord misunderstood. Yes, yes, yes. There is. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm just, it's just disappointing that Rich is correct. <laughs> it makes my heart hurt. It's like you're not really role playing in this community. No. 99% yeah. of the people are not role playing. They're playing a fucking tactical chess game and they're happy with it. And just admit they're happy with it and stop trying to pretend like you're role playing because you're not. Like I said before a show, I don't give a shit if you talk in funny voices or you say, I do this or I do that or my character does this. That's not fucking role playing. That's not at all. What we did when Jared ran 5th edition, that's role-playing. What we did when Rich ran F Forbidden Lands, that was role-playing. We role-played a no-shit conversation about if we're going to starve to death or not. And role-played out having to rely on your character as a hunter to keep us alive, right? That was all, all role-playing. There was no worry about mechanics. We weren't even free. We didn't even discuss mechanics except one brief moment to have a fucking sanity check of D6, D6, D8 on fucking things continue the conversation and we that allowed that guided a conversation anyway sorry go ahead yeah all, all i was going to say didn't didn't uh from white wolf uh wraith kind of do something where the players lose their agency and another player plays the character for a short period of time uh i would have to reread wraith i honestly don't yeah i never that. i never played wraith, I, so I never played. Yeah. i've never read it i've only i was watching a youtube video about all the different oh, ones shit. and they mentioned how wraith it's like you can at some point you'll lose control of your character and it's like something like one third of the time you won't actually have control of your character because it's almost like where it becomes a 
it becomes like you know because you're all playing like undead creatures like yeah yeah what's well, the whole point right you always you, you surrender to the beast or the monster yeah right? exactly so during yeah. that time you're there's there's you, similar stuff in deadlands i mean the harrowed loses dominion occasionally and yeah, yeah. The, the the gm is now in control but that control that the gm takes is typically off screen yeah and you discover what your character did yeah. as you go throughout the course of the campaign we, sh- we could do this and we could do it oh man it's so easy so easy yeah yeah but we'll just secret this away and we'll we'll talk offline and we'll plot and <laughs> simple is always best especially yeah. something like this but i do de- i do demand role playing i need to understand how many feet i can see and i need you to describe everything in a room <laughs> here in a library uh are there books in the library can i can i see any, can i see any books in the <laughs> can i see the stairs that go up to the higher part of the stacks. No, it doesn't exist. These stacks are very tiny. <laughs> Am I able to read Go Dog Go? I'm just gonna get real fucking petty and pissy about this topic. It's just it's so frustrating. Well, this you know, though I will say God, there yeah. is there there was a space for that to some degree, right? Like old school D and D, I had to describe the corridor is ten by ten and it goes a hundred feet. Because back in those days, we had to map out our own dungeon as we were. That's the physical space. If if you walked into, you said, "Hey, this room enters in the 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 corridor, empties into a uh, chapel to the to Orcus, and it is twenty feet wide by forty feet long, with an altar at the far end and statues of Orcus." You don't. There's you know like. I don't know. Maybe I grew up in playing games differently. I just didn't feel the necessity. Because I went with the written text box, even those old modules didn't tell you everything in the room, right? They just, there was shit, there was treasure, and then it was like there was monsters, and the monsters had whatever. Fuck it. I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna pull people off this, off this hill. It's not you guys, it's just a lot of people. You can't yank off this hill because they spend, it's like the, the Colossus of fucking nerddom. The, you know, the, the Rhodes Colossus of fucking geeks is like one foot planted firmly on. I'm always immersed, even though I'm asking for fucking rolls every five minutes. And the other foot is firmly planted on. I'm role playing, even though uh, I'm calling for rolls every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's so frustrating. Well, and I, I, I think even like, okay, kind of going slightly back to the topic, but even like, yeah, let's sure. say our, our D&D game uh where us as the players we were essentially improving for you know Jared's game and the one thing that i that was kind of interesting is because we were role playing there wasn't necessarily as much need to roll the dice no. like what what did we do we eventually um when the was it when the bandits came out and we had the little girl who were trying to bring back to the thing we ended up fucking guilt tripping them into yeah. uh not attacking us and then we've we pretty much like because they're like oh we don't recognize your face around here it's like do you recognize her so it's like oh shit that's blah 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 blah. and yeah. all of a sudden we're like okay well you can can you help us uh do this and they're like hell no i was like well then can you babysit and they're like 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, we gave yeah. him money. And Jared even said, like, in every other group he's ran it for, we were, I think he said we were the only ones who didn't fight. Yeah. And it's, like, it's not because we were doing it on purpose. It's just, it's natural for role-playing. Yeah. And you'll end up in those situations that before would never have existed because yeah. you never, you just thought, oh, bad guys, kill them, done. You yeah. never thought, they don't think instantly, well, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? No. The interesting thing about that, and this came up in my camp in my uh, Forbidden Lands game this past Friday when I was playing with my kids, Ooh, yeah. is they they were looking for this item to help uh, my son's flute get uncursed. So he, he has this cursed flute now where he keeps seeing the ghost of his brother, and that affects his performance. So he's the bard of the group. That's cool. And so they're, they're looking for this thing to, to get that curse removed. And so they're exploring this old rundown uh, stronghold, and they're like, "Hey, we should make this our keep. We'll make this our stronghold for Forbidden Lands." I'm like, "That's cool. We can. Yeah. I can run with that, especially since I've got two versions of the map: one where it's rundown and one where it's restored." So I'm like, in my head, I'm like, "That's cool." And they had cleared out some of the some of the rooms. They're looking for the item, and I just needed a throwaway encounter because. I wanted to give them some experience and and um, some opportunities to do some cool stuff for that game. So I had a group of orcs, orc marauders, encounter them, and they end up fighting. But they, they Forbidden Lands is awesome with their uh, critical injuries. Um, yes. And for some reason, this entire night, every critical injury was in the leg. Like, <laughs> my, my daughter cut off this one orc's leg, and that one dies because of the bleeding right all the other ones go unconscious or they're just broken but they they can be healed because they like pierce the thigh or whatever and now their endurance is reduced and their agility is reduced and all that sort of stuff but they end up out of four orcs they killed only one they subdued the other ones by entangling them and then they talked him down and said look join us oh and we'll let you live and the guy initially argues with them and they were that uh, they actually ended up role playing, convincing that orc and his companions to hang on as their henchmen, and nice. so they now have these uh, remaining orcs watching their stronghold while they're off uh, adventuring to get loot to maintain and build up this stronghold. So it, it was a lot of fun to watch them do that, um, because a lot of the other groups that I've played with would have just out and right killed them. Although that is the other part about Forbidden Lands, which is which is interesting, is you cannot out and out just kill somebody in cold blood without making and failing a roll. That is interesting. So, like, if you wanted to kill somebody, you have to make an empathy roll and fail it before you can murder them. That's really interesting. This, man, that that's a whole different topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, it's not like we're staring to any topic on this I one. <laughs> I, you're zero engine, man. I... Oof. I'm in love with that shit. I I am still working on the conversion and I have two more, I think two more projects that I'd like to fucking do for it. And there's probably more that I could do, but yeah, man, it's, it does. I put a note in the channel, right? Of like kind of rewinding in my head of like what we're talking about and how I hate, I thought maybe it was players that are irritating, but I thought, think it might be the game system. I just haven't played a long-form game of a system that's suited to me. And I think that might be my problem with long-term campaigns. 
I don't want to run a long-term Savage Worlds game. I absolutely do not do it. I'm doing it now. I've done it a bunch of times, and I cannot fucking stand it. I do not like it. I think Savage Worlds just starts to fall apart for me, and it gets real fucking boring. And same thing for D20 games. And then I was thinking about them, like, but, but bitch, I know I could run a long-form Dungeon World game or a long-form Forbidden Lands game in a heartbeat. You know, hell, I could run a long-form colonial marines game and have a good time with it and it's because the system works with how i am i guess designed yeah it's got crunch but it's also narrative yeah yeah and it's like the perfect fucking mix and it's super it's so goddamn easy i was like okay you attack with two weapons so it's gonna be a negative two on the right hand and a negative four on the left hand and i'm gonna do multiple actions so it's gonna be another negative two i'm just like oh uh you're attacking ambidexterity okay we're just gonna reduce your fucking fighting roll by uh one die yeah we're done congratulations fucking welcome to fucking year zero engine (laughs) oh but i don't have the granularity i thought we were immersing in role playing Well, for me, I think it's just I just don't have the patience to be in such a long campaign. I'm not going to say it's any kind of system or anything like that. I just get bored. I do get bored, but I don't know what's making me bored. (laughs) To be honest, it's I think it's like some people can binge watch an entire TV series with nine seasons nonstop and totally be fine with it, engaged in the story the entire time. While other people like myself... I'm just like, okay, well, this was really cool, but each episode's like an hour long, and yeah. right now I just feel like watching South Park and just not caring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, no, I'm tracking. Yeah. Yep. Well, could it also be, though, that the characters... Mm-hmm. Would it interest you more if the story involved more about the character rather than just random treasure hunts? And where I'm going for that is like with the Coriolis game, that was the biggest part of their enjoyment was watching this story arc unfold around this one character's backstory and what it meant to that one specific character. So so I've been thinking about this too. This is where it sounds real real bad. I, maybe it would work if I didn't think in general a lot of times like in general this is gonna sound real terrible uh i'm not even look at the camera uh if i didn't think people's characters were fucking stupid <laughs> sorry um, about that no it's just <laughs> people it, it uh i don't know how to make it sound not not horrible but i i'm also gonna say every gm probably feels the same way that there's at least one or two characters that people make and you're just like well why the fuck are we even here at this point like I'm, I'm, you know, it's like with the with the one shots. There we go. The one shot stuff with Cyberpunk. I, I don't let people make their own character for one shots because if we do, then we're gonna have you know, Tiddlywink the fucking fuck diddler, and he doesn't want to do Cyberpunk shit. And it's just like, no, don't be fucking stupid. Make a fucking character for the conceit of the game, you yeah. know. And I think that attitude might carry over a little bit too much into a longer form campaign where it's just like, oh, well, you made your character and. Well, there's some interesting choices. I see you didn't really want to fucking play this game. And that's kind of how I read into people, the psychology of when people make characters. I see what they do, and I'm like, oh, okay. You really don't care about the game. You're just here to do something else. So I think that also can work against the player if they try and come up with a little bit of a joke character. Yeah, and yeah. I'll, 
Because what is it? One of my characters has, of course, the fantastic name of Lee Kibum. And yeah, it's, I kill your it's, character in a heartbeat. You know what's the best part though? Is he even said he's like, I feel like I should have named my character something a little bit more real. I'm thinking to change my character's name, and we're like, no, you picked it. So now he's embarrassed of his own character's name, and it's kind of funny because it goes into role. That's now. a good growth moment, though, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it is, and it's like, and I, I don't know. Like, I feel really bad saying all of this, but I, I, it's, it's not a lie. It's just how I feel. And Sir Richie might be right if I thought characters, and it's not everyone is ever makes bad characters, but I think one to two characters in a group can ruin the whole fucking thing for me. As yeah. evidenced in the things we talk about, right? Uh, privately. 100% that's what happens. Also, for yeah. me, I was kind of thinking about it. And the only long-form campaign I've ever had that was like... Well, I guess one of them was Savage. With, you know, when we're playing our Ebron. But that one was... I wouldn't say that was actually that long. And it, it, was, it was set up to be, but it kind of fell apart because of different things. I don't think it fell apart because it wasn't fun, but... No, no, no. Yeah, I think they came into a second That yeah. one I was having a blast, and it wasn't because it was a combat focused game. It was because it was a story focused game, and I really enjoyed that one. While my D&D one, a lot of it was combat, and I got bored out of my mind yeah. with my character because I was just like, I'm just doing the same thing over and over and over again. So I hated the long form campaign. I thought it was the most boring thing on the planet. So maybe if we can come up with like a way for. Uh, the characters to actually like all the players to be really engaged in uh, role playing. Yeah. I'll uh, maybe I, I, it's slightly unrealistic, I would think, but it... you mentioned something that's interesting though, is, is that there is science that talks about like how humans, we are wired for story. That That is our whole thing. I mean, our whole civilization mm -hmm. lies yeah. upon storytelling and a random series of combats and uh adventuring isn't a story that that's yeah. that's an event that it's things to do. What, where story happens is character growth when you challenge and confront characters with their fears that they have to overcome or yeah. problems that those characters have that they're avoiding it, so to to bring this back the coriolis game revolved around this character who was estranged from his family and there were events that happened that forced him or or rather gave him the opportunity to confront that. He had to go back. His family needed his help. And uh, part of his family didn't want the help. And part of the, the organization did want his help. And it was him having to insert himself into that situation to reconcile with his family and overcome and work together with them to overcome this other problem that was affecting the family as a whole. And at the end of it, there was that familial rec reconciliation and his character had taken a different arc than what he had originally wanted or envisioned for the character. But it was because we forced him to confront something that his character did not want to confront. And so if you could do that with other characters, that's when you get into story. Even though you can still have those random events happening, mm -hmm. there's at least a reason for them now. Rather than, oh, hey, we want to get together and throw some dice and kill some stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's and oh, so that's the odd thing. Like, I love, like, I would run, like, I would, I would run. Uh, fuck, what's the name of the the series? Well, it's not really a module; it's a, it's a setting. Uh, Barrowlands. I would run Barrowlands in a heartbeat because 
there's a town. The conceit is, is you're playing treasure hunters and you're going in these, breaking into these fucking crypts that are uh, a thousand years old. And they're just tiny little crypts, you know, and there's a big mega dungeon that you can get into. But like, and then you're pulling shit out and you're dealing with all the undead and you go back to town. So there's a lot of room for role playing, but you can also go do the, the dungeon delving because I really do enjoy dungeon delving. And yeah, you're not wrong. Like, like with the Coriolis game, it sounds fascinating when we did um, the one Friday night game that uh, I played a couple times with you and then I had to stop for another mm-hmm. game. So that was fun. But like, uh, I think, and I, I, I think Santa and I may be on the same page with this one. I think if we did the Coriolis storyline, but you were using a system that immediately ground to a fucking halt when combat did arise, it would you would not have the same velocity of play. Agreed. You know He's, what I'm saying? Does that make yeah. sense? No, or, that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I, I again, I, I, I think I allow players who annoy the fuck out of me with their bullshit characters <laughs> to really just... This is really what happens is I'm just like, well... There are people enjoying it, but I'm not enjoying the sum of the whole, so I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't know. And then on top of that, that system, part out of the cake and throw it away and then keep I do, and I'm usually pretty good about it, but it's like, I don't know. I've been getting really like, when is it worth the effort? <laughs> that's the problem, right? Like, we have you know, the Eberron game. Uh, imagine Scott ran a narrative heavy game set in Eberron. <laughs> <laughs> What a fucking shocker. But, like, I would like to revisit that with a different system. Because I, when the fights did happen, they would need to be fast to get back on track to the story, which is what mattered the most in that. So, but, you, yeah, man, I'm really... I like Why Zero Engine isn't the answer for everything. Like, I don't, honestly, I don't know, maybe Rich. I don't think I would run Eberron using Y Zero Engine. Because I... I don't know. I don't feel that your zero engine could handle. And I maybe talk out my ass a little bit because I haven't really thought about this too much. But I don't. <laughs> I don't think Y zero engine could handle the pulp, the pulp nature of Eberron and the the mystery, like the Eberron conversion I have for Dungeon World would handle it, where everything is just flying in there and your marks are happening and yeah i don't know though i'd have to think about it as well i I don't know so far the games that i've played with year zero have not had pulpy aspects forbidden lands is more of your grim dark yeah right that's kind of how they design their stuff yeah coriolis is not necessarily grim dark but it is meant to have elements of horror but it's not to the effect that it is in forbidden lands to where like in in Coriolis, you don't take damage if you push your rolls. There, well, yeah. There's not that aspect to it. Um, you have a little bit more powerful characters uh, in terms of the damage that they can take because you have the hit point system for them, um, yeah, rather yeah. than going against your attributes that are like no more than four or five. Yeah, so yeah. there there are different aspects, and it evokes a different feeling yeah. um, for for Coriolis. So I, I haven't read Alien, but I would imagine it's more horror focused. So it's going to yeah. feel different than Coriolis, even. Yeah, the twelve skills are so vastly different than what you're used to seeing in a role playing yeah. game. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't have any experience with YZE as a pulp type engine yet. So it'll be interesting to see if we could. I don't think it would work, and I'll say why. And yeah. I, I do agree that it's not really necessarily for pulp. And the reason why is because 
the game mechanics themselves more attribute themselves to stuff that allow for more loss. Like for instance, yes. like your your yeah. weapons degrade, your armor degrades. Uh, you're meant to actually like their base building is a big one and quite a few of them, mm-hmm. and it's more bent. It's it's a system that's more built around not necessarily horror in general, but a, like survival. That tends to be a lot of the big theme in it. Like you look at Alien, obvious, yeah, yeah. but even yeah. if you look at Blade Runner, you're not necessarily Maybe. surviving in a thing, but you're surviving in a world that really just doesn't give a shit about you. Right. As in, you're surviving in a Nordic world where. Um, essentially, all the Nordic horror shit is real. Yeah, uh, and it's just most people can't see it. Right. Uh, all Lots of them are. Yeah, survival. most of them are about survival. Yeah, it's all about survival, and that's kind of what that system does best. So before the Eberron nerds start typing, I will say I could use Forbidden Lands to run a game set in Zendric. Because that is removed from the main continent, the houses are still present, but you're adventuring in an ancient continent that is dominated by the giants and the escaped drow slaves, and it's full of fucking... Zendrick is the forbidden zones of, you know, it's it's Indiana Jones of Eberron, Mm -hmm. and and so you could use Forbidden Lands to chart out Zendrick and have that good time. Uh, Tomb of Annihilation is set in Zendrick, for instance. That's the recommended location yeah. for it. So, yeah. Sorry, Rich. No, no, you're all good. Uh, I, I will say, though, could could we make it do pulp? I think there's ways to do it. It would require, uh, again, an understanding of the conceit that we're going for mm-hmm. and then truly be allowing creativity to interpret or, or to guide our interpretation of the rules. So, for example, forbidden, the Year Zero says, only roll when there's consequences. Yeah. In pulp, a lot of the fight scenes are inconsequential. They're there to yeah. add a little bit of drama and action. And so do you have to play those combats fully out? No. You could do yeah. something like the the quick combat or um whatever it is from Savage Worlds to speed through those and just make them this is my little vignette for an action scene here. And then you only do the full combat in those moments where it truly does matter to the story. So I got a question for you guys once. Oh, sure. sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. That, that, was, that was the end of my, my comment. Oh, okay. Was Eberron initially meant to be played pulp, or is it just yes. because of the systems that really ended up making them feel more pulp? No, Keith's intent is, is that he has, the, he has the design principles, right? There's nine design principles for Eberron, but mm-hmm. because I was on a podcast for I don't know, two years with Keith. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was from the go. It is a post-World War One, um, pulp fantasy world where magic is wide, but not high. Like the highest level characters remaining NPCs are like sixth level. That's a badass in Eberron because they all fucking died during the war. Yeah. And so that's what you're looking at. And, and it's like you have all these dragon uh, items and you have an uh, electric choo-choo train and you have airships and all that shit. But it's because magic is wide and not high. You don't have wish spells going off. When you find a wish spell, that's some shit. Um, yeah. Resurrection magic, that is some shit on the wild. But House Caneth, uh, not House Caneth, uh, House, um, oh shit, Jurasco, um, the halfling house, uh, they have the ability to healing is their mark. God, I'm such a fucking Eberron nerd. So yeah, basically it's a pulp, it's a pulp adventure world. And that's why D and D never works for it. Is so 
then because you said that like uh, is that why kind of our game with suede worked because suede is meant to be a pulp game yes that's i would never run eberron using d20 it's a fucking train wreck sure. yeah you'd have to use suede or um hollow earth expedition could work for it um and that's why i think dungeon world the hack works for it because the difficult questions and the, the situation you put yourselves in and those bonds and those backstories but yeah. i think rich is right it would be an interesting experiment let's we'll put a pin in something else scott should look into um to have that. well there is a pulp uh forbidden lands or a pulp yz wise wow god damn it <laughs> year zero engine setting already out it's called tombs and tombs and something but it's by gallant night gallant night games but they you mean gallant night <sighs> gallant god damn you <laughs> Uh, when they, um, when you read it, I don't think they have an understanding of what Year Zero Engine is about. Yeah. Okay. I, (laughs) I don't think they're necessarily like, okay, this is where the issue I'm kind of having. Cause like, we are really, I think we're going into new terror. No. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what we've been discussing lately, especially about systems like mm-hmm. off, like not on this podcast, but even off, how different systems are better at certain things. This is a new concept. So I don't actually blame it. And I know you're like, well, what do you mean this is a new concept? But considering how before the games, most games, unless you're playing D&D, you, you just always use the 5e uh ogl but now with all these other ones out here now we actually have the time to explore all these different Mm -hmm. systems and maybe we'll find stuff that we never really realized like yz yeah it's kind of the mechanics and all that are built around survival but for someone who's looking on the outside looking at this thing and says this shit is fun unless you're sitting around talking an hour and a week an hour a week with people and then messaging them on discord the rest of the entire like every day for the rest of the week this shit is not going to be really come to most people and it's just because we bounce ideas off of each other so stupidly much that we are starting to see how the mechanics will actually influence what games work in certain systems so like i don't blame gallant knight games uh you you fucking say gallant say like a a gentleman okay gillette night games Uh, (laughs) yeah um but i don't necessarily blame them because i i feel like we're almost in a new era right now of rpgs and it's just we haven't really most people haven't really clicked it's like we're saying we're in the fourth industrial revolution most people don't fucking know that but we are yeah I mean, so I'm doing a conversion of something that I've designed into, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's uh, so I am doing Neon Blood Year Zero Engine, and Year Zero Engine works fucking incredibly well for Neon Blood. Incredibly well. Because it captures the flavor and the emotion of what I wanted out of that setting and that game more than, more than OSR ever could. You know, I had to basically write a whole new version of the OSR in order to make yeah. a fucking game like Neon Blood. But with Year Zero Engine, I mean, it's super easy. And it, it captures the flavor pretty well. And again, but that would be because the genre of Neon Blood is also about dystopia and loss yeah. and hardships and shit. So <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you know, 
but I have some other ideas and I'm like, I'll show you guys some of the things that I also am getting ready to work on. And one of those is very atypical of a uh, year zero engine. So yeah. I don't know, but I know Rich, I mean, it's a good idea, but yeah, I don't, there's, I don't know. Everything is a, uh, everything, everything is a nail with the right RPG hammer is what everyone always thinks with D and D, but that's just not true. No, nah, like I like I said, I think it's just because it, it's been status quo for so long that now that yeah. all these things are kind of coming out, it's no, no. Shoot, go ahead, finish your thought. Sorry, I no, I was pretty much <laughs> just finishing up. I was just saying like the status quo really it's changing yeah. and it's just it's still we're new in this all. But I kind of and, and I'll say though I I disagree and I disagree because. Uh, Nowadays, the, the younger generation, maybe you're right, but growing up, TSR knew that D20 wasn't the solution for a sci-fi game. That's why they had oh, Star yeah. Frontiers. D20 wasn't the solution for an Old West. That's why they have Boot Hill. And yeah. all three of those games used a completely different engine. Yeah. Yeah. Because how easy would it have been to have Star Frontiers, Boot Hill, and Gangbusters all just be D&D reskinned? Exactly. Yeah. Top secret. Yeah. I mean, there were a bunch of games, and they all yeah. use different systems. Yeah. And so I think it's it's a modern problem that you are seeing that I've never seen because there's always been a difference to the system. Okay. So correction. How about this? How about this instead? <laughs> Originally, when they were in experimentation, because we did talk about it, it did yeah. occur. But then what happened was everything did become standardized and we actually lost all that shit. So just like it any... standardized though, it became standardized because TSR is gone. It's okay. now a big corporation like Hasbro yep. wizards of the coast. It becomes popular and everybody wants to jump on that gravy train of the SRD. And yep. so they start shoehorning all their stuff in because yep. now I'm attached to the biggest game out there and it increases yep. my opportunity for, success I mean, that's what yeah. you know everyone was like third edition sold well third edition sold well over the long term because of spy craft and then uh oh, dragon oh dragon star i mean you're not right you're that's exactly what everyone did is there was every genre fit into it so that's what you guys talked about on the podcast i was going to correct rich on so everyone listening uh the cavalier was not invented in the second edition dnd it was a first edition dnd correct character creation class out of uh, the Unearthed Arcana for first edition. So oh, that's right. I forgot about Unearthed Arcana. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're correct. <laughs> and that was my favorite book, too. I mean, I loved Unearthed Yes, Arcana. That, that was a boner book, man. I was just yeah. like, the Barbarian was legit. Yeah. The Barbarian back in the day was the problem class, if you remember, right? Because the Barbarian gained experience points for breaking magic items. Yeah, yeah, which was and awesome. You, you should never do that in a game. Just fucking pro tip. <laughs> Never create a character class situation where they're gonna have to torture the fucking party mage and Clarence. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I don't know, man. But like, even like uh, Free League, they have. I think they're doing a clever thing where the system is very similar. But like you said, Coriolis does not play the same as yeah. Forbidden Lands. It doesn't play the same as Alien, but but they do. Yeah, even the, One the, Ring the, is. Yeah, one ring is very different, but it's still the same. And I'm like, you guys might be some sneaky fuck geniuses. <laughs> you really well, now they're, now they're also changing the system because now they're changing how the dice work and all that. Like they're keeping everything similar, but they are changing it with uh, was it stepped dice? I think they called it. That's that's in Twilight 2000 has that, and yeah. I think it's also in the Blade Runner one. Uh, I'm pretty sure Blade Runner I was just is just reading uh, that. I think dice. it. Does yes, yeah. and so but that's also part of their SRD. 
Yeah. It tells yeah. you there's two ways of doing it. And yeah. I understand why they do it. I don't think I like the step dice in their system. I prefer their D6 dice pool because I think it's... I understand why they do the step dice, but I think the D6 dice pool just captures... Honestly, fast. I'm just glad yeah. they're still experimenting with their system. That's a true statement. They're, they're oh, amazing. Yeah, it's the same reason like uh, with uh, uh, Rowan, Rook, and Deckard. What I like with uh, their systems is they're very like they're currently creating a new one, uh, but they what they're doing is like their first one was their very first one, and he, Grant himself told, said he's like the uh, the beginning part where you're doing the character creation and designing the world is the best part. After that, just stop playing. <laughs> it's literally it's enough, right, <laughs> and it, it was hilarious. And then with um, then when they created Spire. They had some really good ideas, and then they saw it, and they're like, okay, well, we want to do something in the same world, but then they kind of improved upon the system of Spire, but still made it playable with yeah. Heart, and then with their new one, uh, what is it called, Hallows? Arrows? No clue. Uh, it's not out yet, but they're actually completely, pretty much canning it, but they're taking the shit that they learned from all the other systems, and now they're creating a system that's more built around you fighting one giant monster a la Monster Hunter or Python, oh, yeah. and so they're creating it where um, they're taking what they learned, but they're trying to put it towards this thing, and it's actually a really neat idea where the monster in-game like on the board, it never moves. It never moves. Yeah. But your yeah. players move around it because it makes sense for the monster to not walk around your creature. Like, it, where it wants to go, it goes. You yeah. are the people who are trying to go around it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, man. So that's immersion. Yeah. Now, what, what was the topic again? I don't know. <laughs> Meandering is always... But this is, if everyone really is curious, is like, this is just what we do anyway on a daily basis. Yeah, this is... Uh, 10,000 things to think about. Improv because we started off with one oh, idea. Improv. <laughs> this whole episode was improvisation. Well, improvisation. Well, I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. And I think yeah, that, uh, you know, Jared said today that there are people who just aren't good at improv. And I mean, that's that's an accurate statement. It's, it's not untrue. But it's a trainable skill. I believe it is. And I think some people are either nervous or embarrassed, maybe. You know, I think the GM needs to be trained in improv. I, I, I say trained. I think right? everyone. Trained. But they need, to understand, they need to understand how improv works, though, as well. And, and this was one of the greatest um, team-building activities I did in a corporate job where they, they had us do an improv class. Mm -hmm. And the whole premise was you cannot nullify what somebody else has introduced into the story, that you have to take that and you can run with it. You can change it, you can morph it, but you cannot nullify it. Yeah. And so th it's the premise of yes and. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I, I think too few GMs are comfortable with that. They, they want to maintain control of everything rather than sharing that power with, with the players to let them run with some stuff. There's yeah. there's also different things that, like, because I think with improv, there's just like, oh, you're just going off the handles with everything, but no. no. I, I'm going to explain kind of like something that happened in my game last night because I thought oh it was. Oh my God, here we go. <laughs> okay. So. Let me see about my character. They're fighting these kind of um, alchemical abomination kind of monsters who have acid, acid blood. And of course, I have two programmers, a biologist, and a kinesiologist. 
in my in the group, which it actually for me just kind of going along with what they're saying. It turns out that after a little bit of testing, everything like that, where they wanted to capture the bodies, but well, I was like, no, they melt after they they're dead. And so what did they do? Is they captured like they pretty much they killed it, but they killed it without like any with only blunt weapons so that it wouldn't get cut open and it started to dissolve but not as much and they had a bunch of stuff and they end up trying to figure out a base that would neutralize the acid so they end up being able to capture the head and now there more shenanigans happen and a siege that was supposed to be done throughout a couple days has now turned into one giant night because of um reasons but they they realize now that this acid blood that can melt uh melt rock and metal and will burn through skin they're realizing that it's actually like just with a high concentration of water they can end up kind of like diluting it enough so that it doesn't actually burn so now they're trying to get water but they're on in a like on a mountainous region so they sent people to go a couple of the people end up interacting with a camp that end up bringing all the alchemical creatures through this pass so now they have this huge thing but now they're like at the end of the game once it was done i was like okay this is where we're going to end for the night we're going to wait for the next player to because she was gone uh to join uh for the next session and they were literally talking about how in a fantasy world how they can use water in order to neutralize the acid so that they can and 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 it's hilarious because one person's like oh why don't we just have why don't we just get like a sprinkler and it was like what's a sprinkler a sprinkler doesn't exist in this world well why don't we try and get it pumped through some tubes and it's like well how are you going to pump it like this that's technology that doesn't exist here so they're trying to figure out all these different ways and with five heavy barrels of water in order to figure out a way to to get it and they're like okay the druid who wasn't there that night why don't why doesn't she turn into mist it's like yeah but the mist naturally there's humidity in the air they're not going to be able to do it and just for me just kind of allowing them to go with what they wanted to and and allow them to explore ideas and i'm just literally there, just improving new shit that i never thought about of how this could work how that could work and just allowing them to really kind of grasp on of course you know stepping back when it's uh yeah going a little shenanigans you end up with a really unique unique scenario and on top of that you learn more about what your players want to do and turns out my players want to be faced with shit that they're not too sure how to deal with so that they can figure out how to deal with that shit so that they can end up having the upper hand when before they had they still kind of have an underhand uh but they they actually have a, a pretty good they have a chance now Nice. It's all just based off their own kind of playing and me just going with the flow and I'm going with the punches. It's <laughs> I mean, what's what's crazy is there are people who would hear this and be like, "Oh yeah, I, t- I totally do that to you, bro." I'm like, no, you fucking don't, because the module didn't tell you to do that. Yeah, I I didn't realize that there's going to be some base agent for uh to 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 stop the. The acid from burning? I didn't think that. I didn't right. think they were going to try and figure that out. <laughs> no, it's also shit like, well, well, your characters couldn't possibly know that. I'd be like, well, I'm, I'm playing a fucking wizard with an IQ of 175. I, I don't have an IQ that high in real life. I've yeah. seen kids who are 8 years old with IQs of 130. 
and they make me look like a fucking dipshit. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. a grown ass person with trained in magic and shit with a high IQ probably could figure some shit out pretty easily. <laughs> yep. A bellows is real. <laughs> I mean, that also goes back to the to the um, <laughs> original premise of gaming, right? I mean, Gygax created a game not to test the characters, but to test the players. That is what you said that I disagreed with. <laughs> I don't think that's, like, whether that's true or not, I have no salt in this one, because I... <laughs> I understand I, what Rich is saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's partially, I, yeah. it's partially true. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it was to play game, right? I mean, it was to yeah, play yeah. characters. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. All of the traps, all of the puzzles were not there for the character to solve. They were there for the player. Yeah, yeah you had to figure out, like, I need to use a 10-foot pole because the, back in the yeah. day, the squares you moved in were 10-foot squares, not 5-foot fucking squares. Yeah. And you just wanted a 10-foot pole at 10 feet. That's a fucking, that's a, I guess that's a, 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 that's a trivia thing for people. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, you could go out and do the thing. And um, But, yeah, you're not wrong. But, you know. Um, I actually went on a hunt in all the first edition stuff I was reading through Gygax's lore and shit about what he said about play, role-playing and characters and stuff. Because, I mean, you, you were expected to play your character, yeah. and he explicitly talked about it. Like, play your fucking character and do the things your character would know. And so it's like, you that's the hard part for people. And maybe this is for Santa's point. We're not just, you know, sidelining and we're giving the Heisman. But, like, Gygax's point was if you're playing the wizard... This again, it sounds terrible. You better be the smart motherfucker at the table. Yeah. If you're playing the fighter, you might be. You, well, back in the day, gaming was definitely very fucking, very fucking high functioning, high IQ fucking activity. But you're not going to be the smart person at the table. You're going to play your fucking character. You know, yeah. your fighter's not going to figure out the fucking alchemical base formula for neutralizing fucking acids. It's not going to fucking happen. So yeah. you better pray to, to baby Jesus that the, the people playing the clerics and the wizards are going to be the ones, or maybe the thieves, <laughs> you know? And I think that's kind of where, where you know, I heard it and I was like, I got to fuck with Rich, he's not right. But he, you're right, you're right in the sense that you're, you challenge the person sitting there, but to the degree that you also, he reminded you, stay in character, you yeah. know? It's kind of Which ironic because it was the fighter who ended up pouring the water on the head of yeah, the thing that stopped it. But... Yeah. That person had an ulterior motive. They're collecting heads from monsters right now for our guild. And so they're just nice. like, if I can get this head somehow, this would be great. Oh, cool. So bring that back. Works. Yeah. yeah. And so they're that just works. trying to figure out. It wasn't necessarily an altruistic of, oh, how do I stop this ass from going? It was like, I want. And then she's like, I got this head out. I can bring this back and they'll let me in the guild now. And then one of the players, I'm pretty sure they said a giant's head. <laughs> Giant schmite. It's just crazy, man. Yeah. Um, so question, because we are hitting about one hour. Should we care. do the potential last D D trivia? Oh, we should, I guess. This be yeah. <laughs> a little bit of sad nostalgia. It's okay. It's okay, it's Finder. Sadness. Don't cry. Don't cry. Oh, we can't Don't still cry. do things. I'm just gonna be living in the future from you guys. Yeah, so we're just gonna be because uh, what are the 14 hours ahead? 13, yeah, 13 hours ahead. It's good times. Can't yeah. wait. It's sad that I actually knew that off the top of my head. Yeah, you know, um, it's good. It's good. But, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll just be, uh, you'll be me messaging in the nighttime while we're sleeping, and then at 3 in the morning, 
Uh, find you and Finder will start talking, and then at oh, I'll seven, probably, I'll have muted everything, and there'll be times when there's not going to be signals. <laughs> that's that's yeah, the beauty, get satellite of, the beauty of my job and going back to real work. And then get when satellite you find, you'll be you fine. come back in, and this is like <laughs> it's like wow, that's a thing. Um, shit, I don't remember the categories ever. I don't know why by now I haven't memorized these useless fucking categories. I feel like I can sit here and talk about much more shit tonight. It's just different. These topics are just... Well, you see how passionate we get with, like, even with Jason, you know, chiming in on, like, the immersion and the role-playing yeah. thing. It's just, like, I think we take it to heart to a, a, a weird degree for some people. Because I know the ultimate answer is, like, well, there's no right way to play D&D. Wait, or, you know, role-playing games. Wait, <laughs> you're wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> There's no well, right way. Definitely <laughs> wrong ways. You're definitely wrong. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Meeting your fucking female fucking player's character when she's nude and beaten and shit and tortured—that would be a wrong way of playing. Oh, I didn't mean that. <laughs> well, I, I, I think it kind of just says how important this, like, people call it a hobby, and it is a hobby. But I think it, it shows how important and how powerful this kind of thing is. Is the fact that we. What is it? I don't even know how many episodes we're at now. 85, 90? And we're still talking about shit all the time. I mean, and yeah. it's just, it, it's it's such a fascinating hobby because you it, it is always evolving. Uh, on last yeah. week's episode, we were talking about how first it just started off as, you know, going into dungeons and shit. And now all of a sudden we're going here where most of the systems are go that are not the big, you know, Pathfinder D&D, they're all going away from having the table grids and you see things in almost all games now of close, near, uh, far, et cetera, et cetera. Like, yeah. all of them have it, including like, you know, the Fallout game, Modifius, which I was surprised. I thought that would be a tactical tabletop because it was, it's a, there's a war game of it too, but no. It's not. Everything's going more to narrative and it's, we're kind of just in that point in history where it's just starting to tilt over. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the next edition of D&D becomes even more narrative. Oh, God, it would be more playable that way. It would be. And, also, roll. <laughs> and also, they would, they'd be breaking their promise of no new editions, which we all know is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you don't trust them. I don't. Yeah, I, I trust Hasbro, uh, our friend computer. <laughs> I said good day, sir. <laughs> fucking wild i don't know it's a different conversation to have about like sorry people are texting my wife is texting me about things that it's okay i just found out that the the wifey just texted saying she made cookies oh yeah i stopped i have a new habit now where i don't eat once the sun goes down i'm trying to get into some primitive habits and let me tell you what is the most difficult thing i have done in my old ass most recent adulthood life is not when the sun goes down. I just walk around I'm like, hey, she's like, just have a have a jello. I was like, it's still putting food in my body. I'm trying to increase the intermittent fasting. It was like, it's just because like, my ancestors were stupid. What about bubble gum? They were so dumb. Them. No, nicotine. I just drink. Nicotine I drink a lot of water, and then nicotine. I'll just take up heroin. <laughs> Hey, and oh, just, yeah, okay, nicotine to heroin. That's quite a bit of stuff. Just get right past everything, I guess. Yeah, just get a vape and be cool, be a cool kid, man. Right to heroin. <laughs> oh, God. 
but yeah, it's just it's like, oh, and I'm sitting here and I'm like, Jesus wept. She makes cookies and things and stuff. And I'm like, God damn it. I just have a bad habit of not eating during the day and then eating in the evening. Oh, yeah. I do like, um, we do lunch and then uh, dinner and that's it. This has become the foodie podcast. Yeah, I just do espresso, espresso, and then dinner. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's wow. not good. It's not good. It, no, it's like, not good at all. No, and it's funny because of it's because I'm working from home most of the time, so I'm not yeah. really thinking about it. If I'm working, if I'm at work, I'll eat lunch every single time. I don't, <laughs> I don't be, get it. I don't, get I don't know it. either. That's really weird. Yeah, I know. But anyways, on to the trivia. Oh, trivia. Uh, Rich, magic miscellany, history, monsters, dungeons and adventures, characters, or cosmology. They're cosmology. Sure, let's do cosmology. <laughs> Alright, cosmology it is. What is the full name of the throne room from which Asmodeus rules the nine hells? Is it Asmodeus? Probably Asmodeus. I always said Asmodeus. I say Asmodeus too. I but I have no clue what the name of that throne room is, so it's the uh... Uh, yeah, no clue. Okay. I'm not even going to mention Throne of Bakor. Throne yeah. of Bakor. Bator. B-A-A-T-O-R. Maybe it's Bator, like in Arabic. Uh, maybe, maybe it's pronounced Gallant. <laughs> All right. Santa. Uh, magic and miscellany. History, monsters, dungeons and adventures, or characters? I'm going to go with uh, magic. Magic. I'm probably not going to get it, but I'll... Yeah, but it's fun this way. Oh, yeah. Oh, you might get this. Oh. Which class does not have access to the spell Control Water? Cleric, Druid, or Ranger? Cleric. You can be a cleric if you can't feed the fucking people. Well, I know, but it, which edition are you talking? Well, ranger. Ranger would be what? No, go ahead. Take your second. I, guess. I said ranger would be my second guess, but honestly, ranger. it it ranger. just sounds like all three of them should have it. Because I know, right? Bad. You're not wrong. I, well, yeah. actually, we'll put it in the conversation. Ranger shouldn't cast spells. That's just how I run ranger. I'm actually okay with that. Yep, because it's dumb. They have spells. Uh you are correct in your second guess. It is the ranger. Yeah, I kind of figured it was going to be one or the other. I was like, cleric, but there's their cleric of nature. But then the ranger has... Well, one of the big spells for clerics was create food and water. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. For Scott, history, monsters... History. Dun history. History. What dungeon-crawling computer game by Blizzard received a D&D &D tabletop adventure game version in 1999? Oh, uh, Baldur's yeah. Gate. Oh, it is Diablo 2. Oh, I, I didn't understand the assignment. Baldur's Gate wasn't Blizzard, though. No, I, Baldur's you're right. Gate wasn't. That, was, um, that was Black Isle. Was that Black Isle? I thought I it was. I think it's Black Isle. You can check that. I didn't understand oh. the adventure question. I am an idiot. Yeah. I yeah. have a chiclet brain uh, for an IQ. <laughs> Shit, I could have gotten that. Because, yeah, we tried playing the Diablo version of D&D, &D and it was boring. And the... The Diablo version of D&D &D is first edition. Yeah, the Diablo version of D&D &D is, in fact, D&D. &D. <laughs> uh, okay, Rich. 
We are both wrong. It's Beam Dog. For the original original Baldur's Gate? Original Baldur's Gate is Beam Dog. Is it really? Yeah, that's what it says on Steam. That's weird because maybe that's maybe this that's, is enhanced. Yeah, because the original one was done by the actually it's the team. This is like Deep Lore, the team who did uh oh god the space one when you're you know wow pew 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 and there's this sex alien and the blue people and Commander Shepard, Mass Effect. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're a right. uh, publisher. Well, you're kind of right. Yeah. It, I can't think of it. it. It's Blackout Studios, but it's actually owned by Interplay Entertainment. Yes, okay. Um, yeah, I was just like, shit. And yeah, the I think developer Beamdog is was the... Bioware. It was yeah. Bioware for the developer. Bioware, yeah. I couldn't think of their yeah. fucking name. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. God damn it, let's finish this. No. <laughs> well, let's watching... go with the other one that I'm not going to know is characters. <laughs> characters. Forgotten Realms. <laughs> with... You're not you're you're not wrong. Which is the correct term for a citizen of Baldur's Gate, a Baldur a Balduron, or a Baldurian? Uh, let's go with Baldurian. You are correct because it's the dumbest. <laughs> no, it's not the dumbest. They're both stupid. Uh, <laughs> ugh, to misuse his name insults his memory. Well, I got bad news for you. <laughs> The whole goddamn setting is an insult. Um, we did magic. We did history. The last one, right? Monsters and dungeons. Yeah. There's two left. Wait. Yeah, monsters and adventures. How did I fuck? How did we fuck this up? Who did characters? I did. You did. did And you did cosmology. Yep. Santa did magic, and Santa. No, I just said that. Well, me and you have only done one. Finder has done two. Okay, do you want monsters or do you want dungeons? You know what? I'll take dungeons just so you can have monsters. I'll, I'll oh. be nice today. Okay. You're going to regret that one. because I'm going like to regret it either looking way. Looking at I'm... monsters, I'm like, I definitely know the answer. Yeah, and... I know. I'll just look more like an idiot if I pick No, no, no. <laughs> I, the one you have is really difficult because it's other things I don't give a fuck about. Speaking mm. of Forgotten Realms. In Dead and Thay, what is the name of the vast dungeon built by a Thayan Archmage to siphon the souls of those who perished within. Now, is it looking for an actual name or is it looking yeah. for like. Okay. No, the actual name. It's called The Blank. And it's the most. It, I'll give him credit. It is a definitely an old school name for a thing. The Spire? No. No, it's the, a dungeon. It's a dungeon. You're going the wrong the, direction. Think of if you were to put a massive dungeon of an evil archmage in Shadow Dark. What would you call it? Dark Darker, you mean? The darkest dungeon? It's that simple. (laughs) It is the Doom Vault. Oh. Now my slanderous comment makes more sense. Really? I kind of like Darkest Dungeon. Someone actually made a video of, like, why I've chosen Shadow Dark. (laughs) I'm... <laughs> Why you're weak? Ah, mm-hmm. monsters. Monsters work together in covens of how many individuals? Three. Three? I haven't got to look it up. No, it's three. for real. It's three though. 
Yeah, they work in covens of three, and then they can use a hag's evil eye they create, and they put the charm on, like, ogres and whatever their monsters they have with them, and they can see through the evil eye and shit. Hmm. Hags are one of my favorite characters, creatures to use in uh, in a fantasy game. because oh, the Eye of Sauron? They're just yeah, kind of like the Eye of Sauron. It's just hags are so fun when you do a coven, because then you can kind of spread the coven out and then have things set up to where they have to come together to do shit and then move around and really confuse the fuck out of people who are like... Well, this witch had different powers, obviously. And then you're like, yep, different types of hags. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. I love hags. But I guess on that note... That's it. Yeah, it's uh, the last right. one. Maybe maybe we'll get Scott one day. One day. I will wait. Uh, we can't do any more than that. that sounds uncomfortably odd. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I am uncomfortable all the time. That's so your statement. Uh, but on... On that note, folks, um, I hope you guys all enjoyed this. Uh, thanks, Scott, for being on with us all this time. Yeah, uh, after, yeah it's been a blast. Uh, we've had a lot of fun. Uh, me and Finder are continuing. Um, we are kind of limiting a little bit more of the releases just because it's the summertime and I'm swamped and Finder has to have a life as well. Uh, but... If you are ever interested in actually talking about your opinions or want to discuss something yourself, join us on the Discord because we are going to be trying to find thir- uh, a third person to join us every once in a while to discuss topics. And if you think that you'll you'll be able to, uh, you know, keep up with the insults, you can definitely join us. Uh, so Discord link in uh, the discussions below and have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye.